Welcome back to the Orca Podcast, a podcast by the Ocean Research and Conservation Association, sharing how scientific facts drive real environmental change. I'm sitting with the former District Bureau Chief of the South Region of Florida State Parks, uh, George Jones, and he's also a policy advocate for Orca here. Do those titles sound fitting to you, George? Yeah, they sound uh, correct. Like <laughs> said, uh, at the state park system, I filled a lot of different positions, but my last 10 years was basically the regional director or Southeast Florida. Okay. Okay. And can you sort of give our listeners a quick overview of the other things that you've done in your life, just so (laughs) that they're a little more familiar with you? Well, uh, I said, I'm very proud that I spent 34 years with the state park system. I started out as a park ranger and and, uh, worked through the entire system. I was a ranger and assistant manager, manager, Mm -hmm. uh, assistant bureau chief, so all the way I, up I, the ladder. I, I, I kind of worked my way up through the line in the last 10 years of my career. I, I was here in Southeast Florida. And then when I retired, it was still fairly young. I'd started at a pretty young age and couldn't stay retired for very long, about nine <laughs> months. And I was uh, sort of coerced into taking the uh, Indian River Keeper position, mm-hmm. uh, which was an advocacy job for the Indian River. It was a nonprofit. Uh, very enjoyable work. I worked for four and a half years doing that. And okay. In the process of doing that, I actually was became associated with Orca. Mm-hmm. Uh, they wrote me into a couple of their grants so that I could get some water quality data that I couldn't afford to put my equipment out for. So they actually helped out Dr. Witter and, and uh, Warren Falls and everyone here. They asked me if I would be interested in sitting on the board. And so I actually sat on the board for about four or five years. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was going to go south and, and work with Broward County on some of the Everglades restoration projects, as well as a, a park that Broward County Parks was transitioning from the Florida Wildlife Commission to a county park. So I went down and did that for about two years with Broward County and worked on a lot of different issues. And then when I came back, Orca was in the midst of, of looking at all the water issue problems that were being discussed by a legislative delegation, the Indian River Lagoon uh, in Lake Okeechobee Basin uh, subcommittee that was put together. Mm-hmm. And there was some financing that was going to become available for water quality monitoring and those types of things. Right. And uh, Warren uh, Falls, uh, Dr. Wittert asked me if I would come off the board and actually do that work for them in Tallahassee. So and that's how I, you got involved. And that's how I got involved in that advocacy end of it. I had actually thought when I got out of government, I was tired. Uh, was was done going to Tallahassee. <laughs> but uh, You always get roped back in. But lo, lo and behold, I got, got wrangled back in. And, yeah. Uh, and, like I said, I, I enjoyed some of the work, but I had actually promised Edie and Warren that I would do it for a couple of years, but that they would ultimately need to find someone else that really not, gotcha. not something that I particularly enjoyed. And one of the reasons I got out of government was not wanting to deal with all the bureaucracy that comes along with it. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but I did understand it. I, I don't know whether that's good news or bad news, but I, <laughs> I do uh, understand how it works. So I want to focus, before you got out, I want to focus on those couple of years that you were working with Orca, you were talking about how Orca at the time put some of your water quality data into this grant that they were writing so that you could get funding as a as a riverkeeper to right. do that. So nonprofit science organizations like Orca often seek out funding to cover the salaries of their researchers, equipment and technologies and other administrative costs. A lot of the times these Funds come from philanthropies, and sometimes they come from the government. So can you kind of speak to the differences between seeking out funding from a philanthropy and and seeking out funding from the government? Yeah, there's some similarities, but there are also quite a few differences. And and you have to realize the time that this was going on, too. The economy had sort of tanked in 2007 and eight. 
So a lot of your philanthropic uh, nonprofits, uh, foundations, and those types of things were were struggling themselves to, mm-hmm. to keep their funding bases going. So funding was was limited there, as well as with government. Governments were struggling to keep themselves afloat too. Yeah. So funding became a very difficult issue, and and it's just started really enlightening up in like 2012, 2013, and that's when I came back into the picture doing that work for Orca. Right. But when I was with the Riverkeeper, and when Orca was just getting started. Uh, they worked very diligently at, at proof of concept on some of their equipment, and that's how they got some funding. They worked with some of the community foundations. And the difference being there is that, that chasing grants from a community foundation or another nonprofit, uh, there's there's a lot of administration that goes with those, and, and it becomes uh, very competitive, especially in the times we were in. And Orca was mm-hmm. very successful at, at being able to to be competitive because they offered a, something different. What was going on as far as real-time monitoring and water quality yeah. was not being done at the time to, to any significant amount. There were several other groups that were starting up as well with doing some of that real-time monitoring. In other words, having a piece of equipment in the water that, that gave you uh, sort of like a movie instead of a snapshot. Before then, everything was done with hand sampling. And so you got a picture of what that water column looked like right then. Mm-hmm. But when you have a real-time monitor in there and it's sampling, say, every 30 or every 45 minutes, you get a real running scenario. And, and that was, I think, Orca's advantage as well as working with working with education and working mm-hmm. with children. And so they diversified when things were tough as to what they would go after to keep the staff working and to keep yeah. the, the wheels going. So and that's but, sort of how you get into the community foundations is the education, the more local stuff. And, and then when you're presenting to government, it's more proof of concept. Exactly. Okay. And, and to a large degree, too, the community foundations or whatever are looking at that immediate impact to the community. Mm-hmm. So if you're willing to work with several groups within the community, the stronger, in other words, if you're partnered with two or three people or a school or another group, then that's easier to work with those community foundations. Where right. in some cases that matters legislatively to some state legislators, but in most cases it's more the proof of concept. What are we going to get? What's the, what's the bang for our buck? Right. They have to look at it on a, on a much bigger and a much broader picture, mm-hmm. uh, uh, sort of a 30,000-foot look as, as opposed to the community look. It, I'm, I imagine it takes a lot of time to form those relationships within the community, but you also had to persist for a few years to get the grant that um, for ORCA that right. we were looking for in mm-hmm. government. So how, what did that look like? Like, Did you go into the session thinking, oh, yeah, we're going to get this? I mean, that's the... That's the attitude you want to have, right? You always have to feel good about what you're presenting and what the product is. And I was very, very enthusiastic about what we were asking for because it had been proven already to work. We had up and running units. We were still working out some bugs, as a lot of people are, even to this day with real-time monitoring. But uh, Orca's kind of uh, led the the way in some areas and and, uh, continues to do so. But what... What was interesting back then is when you when I went to the legislature, they were already realizing that there was a problem. They had had a subcommittee. There was some money already allocated. So you had to, to go back up and, and make sure they understood what the difference was between the numerous organizations that were looking at monitoring and the different types of monitoring. Mm-hmm. There were several other real-time monitoring units out there, mm-hmm. which were also seeking funding. And the good news is, is that everybody got a slice of the pie, and there was a lot of monitoring done that ORCA 
uh, participated in with other groups. And so they're in strength in numbers again. Uh, right. We have different things. We brought some things to the table that some of the others didn't. Mm-hmm. Some of the others brought some things to the table that, that Orca didn't at that time. So Yeah. So so being that positive person, my my understanding is that we didn't get the funding the first year and yeah. you had to go back. So right. what was that second year like? Well, it was uh, the first year of anything feel? when in the legislature is is legislators are very reluctant to do something new. So part of the challenge was show, was was trying to get across to them what this new technology did how it operated. And so you sat with staff a lot of times. You didn't mm-hmm. sit down with, say, Senator Negron, or you didn't sit down with Senator so-and-so. Right. But the the big plus was the second year Dr. Witter went up and testified in front of the Senate committee okay. for agriculture. And, and, and uh, her testimony made a large impression with the Senate chair for that committee. He actually asked Edie to come up and said, you're a breath of fresh air because she's a she's that type of scientist that can put things in very plain, easy to understand terms. Absolutely. But it's still science. Right. In other words, it's not, not a bunch of gibberish, so to speak. Senator Hayes was very impressed and that helped for that second year's funding to have the committee chair uh, wanting to to help fund that. And I think he, he had an influence on that as well as Several other senators and several other our House members, we made the rounds up there. I brought Warren uh, Falls and Edie up several times, I think, that first year. And we walked the halls and made appointments. And yeah. we went in and met with House members. And we met with staff. And we met with the Senate members. And, and it was it was valuable experience for them to see and talk with, with Warren as opposed to someone that was representing Orca. They actually saw the scientist, saw the managing director. Those make good impressions. Also, we have to realize a lot of these folks have other vested interests. Some of them come from citrus. Some of them come from the cattle. Some come from real estate. Mm -hmm. Uh, They had to be persuaded that we weren't on a gotcha crusade. We were just on a let's get the scientific information crusade to where we can make sound decisions on how we can manage the water. And I think that Edie and Warren really relayed that very, very well in their face-to-face meetings with the senators and and the House of Representative members. Yeah, so you had to sort of dissolve these pre-existing biases against each other that that are there, even though, you know, that's maybe not what you're presenting, not what you're wanting to talk about, not your motivation at all. And you have to dissolve those before you can even... You have to develop trust, basically. And I feel that most of what goes on up there is the development of interpersonal relationships. Mm-hmm. And and I think really ORCA has proven in the long haul that really we're about the science. Mm-hmm. We've worked with various organizations that you may not want to think were, were the norm, I guess you might say. We've worked with Scots on a, on a study. We were funded. A lot of people are, are aggravated at the fertilizer industries. Uh, we've worked with agricultural groups. We've worked with cattle folks. Uh, matter of fact, I believe we're just fixing to enter into another uh, a partnership with uh, one of the ranches uh, over by Lake Okeechobee mm. on some water quality data and working with their staff. So ORCA has a reputation now, which is also very good legislatively, that, right. that we are nonpartisan and that we're just a science organization trying to get answers. You can show those partnerships again exactly. at the state level. Right. You were talking about how Warren and Edie were in these meetings, and I wanted to get into the nitty gritty details of those meetings. <laughs> so I was looking back at some of the talking points you had for the funding we were seeking out to deploy the Kilroy monitoring system. And it allows us to, like you said, take a more of a movie instead of a snapshot of the water column. 
there were headings like advantages of the Kilroy monitoring system, system comparison for real-time monitoring, accomplishments to date, who benefits from system data, and affiliated organizations and working partnerships that we were just talking about. So which of these do you think was most influential at the state level for the funding we got? Both the St. Lucie County Commission and the Martin County Commission were very influential in, in working with the delegations and letting them know that they were using this data online. Orca's data goes up as soon as it comes in, and it's free to the public. It's free to anybody to access, including the counties and the cities. And then we had a reputation of also working with them of maybe if we got more monitors or whatever, we had been talking about where we could place them to where that it would benefit the cities or the counties as far as their needs for some of their, their uh, ongoing uh, work as far as restoring the re environmental areas that they were concerned about. Okay. They also built projects uh, to to do stormwater treatment, and if you put one of those at the end of the or at the beginning of the project, and at the end you can actually document improvement. Plus, the orca equipment can operate in shallower in, uh, water and in canals and those types of things. Mm -hmm. So those types of benefits, I think, really helped us move our, our request along through the legislature. I also think that, we, like I said, the community support, I think, was, was terribly important. We had worked with several different counties, both Indian River, St. Lucie County, Martin County, and, and we had a good reputation with them, kind of known as the you know straight shooters. We were fair. Didn't go after anybody. We just tried to get the information out. Right. Again, no agenda there. No agenda. And I think that's terribly important when, mm -hmm. you're, when you're looking for funding as a scientific organization. So are you more likely to get another chunk of funding like this if you are successful one time within the state? There's no guarantees in the state legislature. Every session sort of its own different uh, animal, as they say. But by and large, we've been fairly fortunate. We got the first big chunk of money. And when you get a big chunk, the, the first part of that was to buy equipment and to put the process in place. Mm -hmm. And now you're going to cut the funding that it takes to go out and monitor it and keep it up. That right. doesn't make much sense. Right. So you can make that argument. And, and like I said, sometimes it holds uh, up and sometimes uh, it doesn't matter. Uh, we got cut the second or third year by $250,000 wow. and had to reduce the amount of monitors that were out. Now, mm -hmm. the monitors were still there. And being creative, Orca was it had good relations with counties and cities. And because the equipment had been purchased on state money, we were able to just put them back out for the cost of maintaining them. How about if you get funding for this one particular thing and then Orca, the same entity, wants to do another project? Is that like, it's like learning an entirely different sport? Those become standalone projects. And, and you can try to link some of them and you may be able to make some connections. But I really believe the legislature looks, them, looks at them as pretty much anything that's new as a standalone. Now, the, the, obviously, the Kilroys and the continuous monitoring have, have seen recurring funding because, mm -hmm. at, like I said, you've paid for the equipment. It doesn't make sense to completely abandon what you've, what you've paid for. Right. But they did have to cut back, uh, and legislatures are like households. Uh, you have increased expenses in one area and reduced revenue in another. You, something's mm -hmm. got to give. You know, next time around, if we're doing a different project, we're having to rely on some of those personal relationships we Absolutely. built the first time, yep. and then again, a proof of concept, which proof. starts from zero. Right. Okay. And, and also, as you probably are well aware, I, I know your background a little, you, you, you were involved with some legislative processes. I was. I was. So you understand that those 
faces and people change fairly regularly from session right. to session. The senator that chaired the initial committee that was very uh, favorable uh, as far as his responses to, or is no longer in the Senate. He's no longer in the House. He's, mm-hmm. a, he's a retired uh, legislator. You have to continue to develop and, and further the relationships that you have. That's a lot to do. Yeah, it's, a, it's, it's a huge it's, job it, to it keep is. up with everybody. And you have to keep track of when the sessions are. And it's an interesting situation working with government, but it's also the same. The nonprofits have their own systems and their own way of doing things and their own hierarchy. Dissimilar in some respects, but very similar in others. But Mm -hmm. the legislature is tough. They're there for 60 days. They have an agenda. They have a lot to get done. I try to advise all of our folks to get to the legislative delegation meetings before the session starts, Mm -hmm. do your pitch, but also get in and see them one-on-one individually while they're home. And and I think that goes back to the interpersonal relationships and the trust factor. And you also can get more time. When they're in Tallahassee, they're jammed. They've got votes to go to. They've got committee sessions to go to. And to get 15 minutes alone uninterrupted is is almost a miracle up there. Oh, absolutely. So uh, really, you know, to get in to see somebody is good. And and in a lot of cases, you're meeting with staff. And that's not all bad all the time either because a lot of the staff are as as knowledgeable on these projects as, as the members are. Absolutely. And the members rely on them heavily for for their advice and and how that meeting went. So I always tell people, I said, sometimes you may be better off meeting with staff if you can't get get that legislator's full attention. If he's Mm -hmm. running between meetings and whatever, you may be better off meeting with staff, giving them the information. And then if the legislator himself, if you've sparked his attention, he may be able to make some time for you at another point when he's not running 100 miles an hour. Yeah. So I'm imagining going back after you've gotten all of this water quality data, what does the process look like taking that data and translating it back into policy? Hypothetically, if we got this data that said our nutrient loads were through the roof, how would we take those numbers to a legislator and say, hey, this is what we see. We would like a policy that works to reverse or stop this pollution at the source. A good example of that is is Orca's work in, in uh, Blue Cypress Lake, where we identified uh, really a, a, a source, maybe not the only source, but a major source of what was causing the blue-green algae blooms, and that was the spread of biosolids. Once we track that back to that source, there was a 60-day moratorium put on, and now there's a lot of conversation in the legislature this year mm-hmm. and even last year on how we as a state will be handling biosolids. We actually have been able to figure out what the phosphorus and nitrogen loads coming in from them. Mm-hmm. So any of those counties and cities or state agencies that want to look at, at projects that would benefit reducing those loads, that can translate into policy. Right, and they know exactly and They know exactly go. where those, you know, and getting right down to the point source maybe may take a little bit more refinement, mm-hmm. but at least we know that those major tributaries and or canals or whatever are a primary part of the problem. And then you can start looking further upstream. And and with the Kilroys, we could actually move them upstream, which we've done in several canals. We did that with the Scott study and several others. So, And that, that answers kind of all the questions they have, right? You know, yeah. what's going on? Where is it coming from? How do we stop it? Just in a, as an example, with the algae, the blue-green algae moves through the water column. Mm-hmm. So if you go out and take a hand sample and you sample at the wrong time of day, you may get a sample that shows no blue-green algae, and it may be sitting either at the top or on the bottom. Right. You just sampled in the wrong area. But if you're sampling over a 24-hour period every half hour or 45 minutes, you're going to see that pattern as it migrates through the water column. So those give you those types of information that are so valuable in the long-term solution of these problems. Yeah. So so speaking about... Uh 
going out and collecting samples and sort of doing this manual labor on these Kilroys, I heard there was a story of you and Warren servicing a Kilroy while he was talking to a Senate president and you were... Well, the uh, the first year that, that they wanted to cut the funding, uh-huh. uh, the Senate president, as I said, was, was Joe Negron. We were constantly being asked by reporters and newsmen, you know, agencies and whatever, what the status is, what's going on. Well, when we finally announced that we were losing funding and would have to pull, you know, 10 or 12 Kilroys out of the lagoon, uh, it put, shall we say, several legislators in a rather awkward position of explaining why. And uh, and so the phone started ringing. <laughs> uh, and we were trying to work respectfully. And uh, Senator Negron, to his credit, worked very hard with the DEP and found some money in their budget to be able to continue. And and that process is, is a series of phone calls back and forth. Mm-hmm. And while Warren was talking with Senator Negron, I had one of the House members on the phone and then a, <laughs> another local uh, uh, city councilman. Uh, so, Jerry driving the boat. And Jerry's driving the boat. And, <laughs> and it got rather hectic. That one Kilroy, you know, which normally would probably take 30 minutes to service, took us about an hour and a half. Oh, my gosh. Because we were on cell phones. And I, I stopped to think to myself, I said, what? happened before we ever had cell phones? Would this problem have gotten resolved? (laughs) (laughs) Where you have interpersonal relationships, people feel comfortable picking up the phone and talking with you. Mm -hmm. And it's not an accusation. It's not a a point fingers. Here's here's what we needed to do the job. Mm -hmm. If it's cut by $250,000, this is all we can, this is the only job we can do. These are how many we have to keep out. Those are the facts. If you can change that somehow, we'd be happy to keep them out. But we have limited funding, and this is what you funded or agreed to fund, and that's all we can agree to put out. It's not this ultimatum or threat. It's just no, logistics. It's the facts. It's, it's just, you know, it's yeah. like, sort of like science. You know, <laughs> you, you almost can't change it. You know, I mean, the, the science says this. Yeah, we understand. Okay, if you're going to cut 250, these are the Kilroys we'll be taking out of the water. That story just shows our <laughs> boots on the ground. Oh, yeah. It's it's a very concentrated group of people that care very, very much. And mm-hmm. I've been around, like I said, I've been doing 46 years now in the environmental world Thank of you. work. Thanks for yeah. giving us that overview of the funding we got, and we appreciate your effort here. Well, I, like I said, it's uh, it's important. And one of the other things is uh, having the opportunity to sit here with someone like yourself who's been doing some internship work. And uh, I've been very fortunate over the last several years to work with, with quite a few. And be honest with you, it's very encouraging to work with people that are as concerned and dedicated as the young people I'm seeing coming through here. Oh, thank you so very I appreciate much. that very much. <laughs> All right, listeners, thanks so much. If you have any questions, you can email us or go to teamorca.org. And we will see you next time.